Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Amen. It's easy to confuse the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ with his transfiguration. In terms of the church here, you know how it kind of goes. The transfiguration comes before the 40 days of Lent, while the ascension falls 40 days after Easter. Jesus transfigured in his flesh the glory of being God's son up on top of a mountain, and there was Moses and Elijah, the ascension uplifts the risen Jesus and his humanity, exalted with all power and glory to the heights of God. Many churches pass over the ascension since it always falls on a Thursday. Bigger churches will have it on a Thursday. We could do it too but I want to make sure more people can hear it. And this, of course, this lack leaves a lack of catechesis or teaching on Jesus' ascension. You ask a lot of Christians and they don't know it. But it also misses to celebrate what we confess in the creed. I believe on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and... Send it into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. The ascension of Jesus' triumphant crowning is not to escape or to leave us hanging, but to reign as man and God with all authority. David said long ago in Psalm 110, this is why a pastor said that verse all by himself today by mistake, but Psalm 110 is right here in my text for the sermon. David said, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David saw Jesus. This event was only for a moment, just like Easter Sunday was only for a moment before his disciples. But the ascension brings great benefits to the church and his Christians. Against all adversity, our ascended Lord Jesus has made us to be the insiders of his glory. And so what you have today is a one-two punch of glory 
that has come from our Heavenly Father. When St. Paul concludes his first chapter that you hear today in, to the Ephesians, he ends by giving thanks and prayer and praise to God. Verse 15 and 23, if you look at it, are actually one long sentence. And actually in the Greek it is one long sentence. But verses 19 and 20 hold out the one-two punch that is a glorious thing to hear. The blessed life for Christians and hope of heavenly inheritance came by God. According to his, the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, St. Paul says. How necessary to reaffirm and believe what God made certain, considering, do you know that when St. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, it was in 60 AD? So you're talking a good 30 years after all this Jesus risen from the dead and ascends into heaven, and St. Paul still is boasting about the resurrection and the ascension. And for good reason to this church. They knew he, Paul, was a prisoner in Rome. <clears throat> Ephesus was a place also of much conflict in the past. But the future, even more questionable now, so they had to turn to God's promise in Christ. That's it. Paul wasn't going to be there anymore. And Lord have mercy on those pastors. But they had Jesus. And so more than an event, the ascension of Jesus is about the exaltation of our Lord. And this was a, already made known on Easter Sunday. His resurrection. Jesus told Mary Magdalene, I'm ascending to my, to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. To sit down now at God's right hand meant he first completed the mission, the cross set apart, and his great sacrifice. And so the resurrection promised Jesus paid the price, and sitting at God's right hand means he has turned the words of Pontius Pilate upside down. Do you know what Pontius Pilate said when he brought out the crucified or the beat up the beaten up Jesus before he be crucified? Pontius Pilate said, Behold the, the man. And Ascension Sunday gets to say, Behold the man. As we get to celebrate. Christ crucified holds all power as God and man now in the heavenly places. Before all our adversities in, on earth, the expanse of authority by Jesus has no limit or exclusion. He does descend to any with his grace as promised by the gospel. This is why God's grace is at work during great tragedies, so his church can go to work, so the gospel can go to the ends of the earth, because adversity needs an answer. That answer comes from Christ. 
And so far above all else is the glory of Christ and his name. Paul knew the conflicts in Ephesus were multifaceted and beyond mere management of men. Just as good order came from God as designed for life and given by his word, right? That's good order. Bad order was more than disorder, but came from what was twisted by sinners in conflicts ordered out of the devil's darkness. So instead of fixating on these, Paul proclaims before his own visible captivity the ascension of Jesus as an authority and power and dominion and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. Christ's victory was no stale thing in heaven, but him before the present life and especially as promised for his baptized. People know the world has problems. You don't need to be a Christian to figure that out. But adversity shows us a bit more than managing problems. Here's what adversity means from the dictionary. A condition marked by misfortune, calamity, or distress. And so with it comes, as you know, all kinds of questions and few answers. Lots of blame. That's just the nature of sinners. Since we give so much credit to man and the physical world and all that we have dominion over, since we do so much of that today, it's not surprising. There is shallowness of a great extent over missing the depths of darkness. And yet Christ, far above all the physical and spiritual orders, both bad and good, comes to serve below with his love for our fallen humanity. He is there to be with us whenever the ugliness of adversities run ragged over life with sin, death, and Satan. And this happens because Christ descends to still be the Savior by his saving word, even as he is the Lord who by his name marks our lives. You are better off than most because you've been baptized in the name of Jesus as the ascension would bring Pentecost, right? That's next Sunday. We celebrate that. And so St. Paul, in the same first chapter, just a verse before what you heard today, showed how God's power, worked by baptism, delivered the Comforter. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, which means your sins forgiven, your life redeemed by Jesus, and his exchange for you by his great sacrifice, you believed in him. And Paul says, and you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That's baptism, and there's your Pentecost. Christ now glorifies the church with his fullness. And so thanks over the faith and the love of the Ephesians, let prayers ascend by Paul with hope in God's giving. Paul couldn't give it to them anymore. 
He couldn't be there for them anymore. He couldn't do anything, but he, got, he gave them his word as an apostle, and he gave them their prayers before a mighty God. All things have become subjected to Christ, and his reach goes beyond life itself. I don't know how you see things today, but I can promise you Jesus sees them far better. Instead of ascending out of the picture, there is a faithfulness God has set before his Christians, and it's unknown to the world. So keep watching your TV and taking account of the news, but it's not going to ever come up. But you know what Christ has given to his church. Jesus was given to be head over all things to the church, or you could say for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is more than the disciples at first returning to the temple. You heard that today, right? They returned to the temple after Christ ascended because they had great joy. But you know this joy was going to be taken away. That joy in the temple would not last. But they didn't need that temple. They were the body of Christ, members of one another, the Christ as the head. The same Jesus who now fills all things is the gift that fills his church to be with us. And this is not talk about operating an institution, though that happens, looking for the glories seen by men, that easily happens, or those foolish claims we hear to need no church. Christ directs his fullness to rule in the church as true God and man by his means of grace, by the word and sacraments, by the pastor visiting your home when you need that, when the shut-ins rejoice because they have a visitor who's a brother and sister in Christ who comes and brings the word of Christ. Not just a familial relationship, but prays for them. You see, since Jesus ascended bodily into heaven in the right hand of God, it's the same body he puts into our bodies as promised underneath the bread and the wine. Who do you receive today but the Almighty One who descends to serve us all? Against the distractions of the world, weakness of our flesh, and hostility of the devil, Christ comes. No wonder he says, do this as often as you eat and drink it in remembrance of me because I'm there for you as much as you need. And this is why in the liturgical service and the beginning of that part, you hear the pastor say, lift up your hearts. And you say, we lift them up to the Lord. Because Christ will fill them with his great love. Christ descends to be with us in his fullness to turn our hearts for the church belongs to him because she is his body. He will not abandon her. And so we cannot abandon one another with that great love he loves us by. Christ ascending laid out the mission. You heard it today. You want to have a mission theme? Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses. 
You're not going to hide it. You can't hide it. He says, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and at the end of the earth. It's a grand send-off to hear God's faithfulness to the gospel, but it was to see no straight line before humanity. Memorial Day helps to remind us even earthly freedoms are not simple, but call for sacrifice. It's kind of a sacrifice, though, that still demands more and more and more. Jesus gave something that will not be taken away. It rains on high, but descends to serve you in confidence to his faithfulness. The Ephesians faced a cross-shaped life, and it's not easy in our eyes any less today. This is why the baptized need to hear and trust the word to see things rightly by the Holy Spirit. Faith and love dwell with hope in Christ and his authority over all. Your life is hidden in Christ, even as it goes for the whole Christian church. Against all adversity, our ascended Lord Jesus has made us to be the insiders of his great glory. And guess what? And you with him, and only him, and only from him and because of him. But yes, you, you are glorious. Sins forgiven. Life over death. Satan, we get to walk over the serpent's head. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.